I'm reading from Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 42, from the New International Version, about the apostles and their persecution. Please attend the reading. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers didn't find them there. So they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came in and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain with his officers went and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty for this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men and to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, appeared in the days of the census and led the people in a revolt. But he too was killed, and all his followers were scattered Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. 
For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace in this name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we are continuing in our sermon series looking at the first few chapters of the book of Acts, the early church, and what motivated them, but especially what were the foundational practices of that church that have become the foundational practices of the church in the world even today. And especially important for us as a congregation at a time when we are beginning to, to envision our future and seek God's guidance along the question of what's our purpose here at North Creek? So we are on the third week of five, and today's focus is on... Uh, is on learning. It's really about teaching, but of course, learning is a necessary corollary to teaching. The whole concept of, of teaching and the foundation of teaching in the Christian church is not without learners. <laughs> uh, they go together all the time. The word that we're focusing on here from the Greek is didache. Can you say that with me? Didache. It's the word meaning teaching. It's really the, the noun that speaks of the content of the teaching or the curriculum of the teaching. Um, the verb to teach is didasco, and from that Greek word comes the English word didactic, which means intended to teach or to instruct. Over the years, didache came to represent the full doctrinal teaching of the church. But in its original sense, it was used to describe the teaching of Jesus, the Lord of the church. You see, the teachings of Jesus had been learned by the disciples from Jesus himself and then taught to others in a spoken and listened to curriculum in the early church, and eventually written down into the Gospels, the Gospels that are present in our scriptures today. It was for the purpose of didache, teaching, combined with the Holy Spirit's inspiration, that we have the scriptures of the New Testament and the Old Testament. Like kerygma, which we talked about the first week, proclamation of Jesus as Lord and Savior, and diakonia, which we talked about last week, which is serving others as Jesus did, didache is also rooted 
in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was a teacher. And in fact, to most casual observers, that was what Jesus was known as and what Jesus was known for. He was a rabbi. Rabbis were teachers who taught apprentices, which we called disciples. Taught them in sacred places of learning, like the synagogue, which was akin to the congregation, and in the temple. But also in common places, like along a hillside, or on the shoreline, or just simply along the road. Because of this, the Christian faith will always, at its core, be about a teacher-student relationship. As a teacher, Didache defined Jesus' ministry from beginning to end. In the first chapter of Mark's gospel, one of the first distinguishing characteristics of Jesus we observe is that his teaching is recognized as authoritative. Verse one, chapter 1, verse 22. The people were amazed at his teaching, his didache, because he taught them, didasco, as one who had authority. We also learn soon after that from Mark that, that he used some creative teaching methods. In Mark chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, we see Jesus begin to teach near the lake, Sea of Galilee. And Mark goes on to describe what Jesus taught. And before that, he tells us what form of this teaching we will observe. And he said, Jesus taught many things in parables. Simple stories, understood by everyone, used to illustrate a lesson. Now that's at the beginning of the Gospels. Jesus came on the scene and was recognized as a teacher, one who had authority, and used creative methods to get God's word and message across to people. At the end of his life and ministry, at the end of the Gospels, Jesus appears to his disciples numerous times between his resurrection and his ascension to heaven. In Luke 24, one of these instances was on the road to Emmaus. You might recall that story of, of Jesus walking with those disciples, and the disciples didn't recognize it was Jesus at first. But the text tells us that in verse 27 of chapter 24, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So the resurrected Jesus was teaching his disciples, going into the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, and and describing himself and his ministry and how it grew out of, naturally, the Old Testament. Looking back at that moment, these two disciples marveled, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us along the road and opened the scriptures to us? That's what Jesus did with his disciples. He opened the scriptures to them. And it wasn't just these two disciples, because in verse 45, we read, Then Jesus opened his disciples' minds so they could understand the scriptures. 
That's what Jesus does even today in his presence with us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus opens our minds so that we can understand the teaching of Scripture. And then, who can forget Matthew's great commission? Jesus' last words in the Gospel of Matthew, his calling of us to make disciples. So for us as disciples to go and disciple others and teach them everything Jesus has commanded. From the very beginning of the church, we see dedicated disciples who never stop learning. From the very beginning of the church and through its history, we see a story, generation after generation, of dedicated disciples who never stop learning. If we look at Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, that's our core text for the series, we see that it starts out with this phrase, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the first thing that is said about those who were gathered together after the church was established or born on the day of Pentecost. That was the defining mark. And why not? They were following the Lord Jesus, who after all, was a teacher. And they were disciples. They were there to learn. And so the first defining characteristic of the early church was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, Didache. Every day, it continues on in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. This learning was not an occasional thing, it was daily. It was at the core, the center of their lives. The people in the early church in Jerusalem devoted themselves to learning from the apostles as they relayed Jesus' teaching to them. Now, most of us consume information on a daily basis. We're just going to rule out the whole idea that we don't have time to learn from Jesus based on the fact the sheer volume of information that each one of us looks at and hears on a daily basis, week in, week out, in our culture. So we have to start from there and ask, how much, what percentage of all that input do we give to Jesus' words coming to us? Think about the amount of time we spend watching the news or scrolling through social media Or listening, this is probably the kicker in this day and age, listening to people talk about their take on the latest happenings in the world of politics or sports or celebrity. The advent of on-demand streaming media has brought with it the phenomenon that we know as binge-watching. Have you ever binge-watched? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I have binge-watched. They make it really easy, don't they? Before you know it, the next episode is starting, and well, I mean, I'm already into it. I think I have the time, and we'll just let that keep playing. Watching multiple episodes of a series at a time. The remarkable thing 
is that people have time for this in the midst of the busy lives that we all have, for this to become a cultural phenomenon. Now, it may be taking the place of sleep. I remember, uh, I remember one thing that, that my pastor of the church that I grew up in, Westside Presbyterian Church in West Seattle, Paul Smith was the pastor. And I remember in one of his sermons, he said, you have all the time in the world. You, you have no more or less time than anyone else in the history of the world. Days are 24 hours, weeks are seven days long, years, etc., etc. It's what you do with the time. The remarkable thing about the early church is that they binge-watched the apostles' teaching about Jesus. I'm telling you. It just, they got to the end of one story and pretty much it started to spool up and there it is, the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Now we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And it just kept on going and going and going because they met every day at the temple courts and they couldn't get enough. They had a ravenous appetite for Jesus and his word. Now you may say that's all well and good, but Come on, Pastor Kurt, is there really enough content out there for me to learn? I mean, I've already learned an awful lot in the Christian faith. And I'm going to tell you, absolutely, there is enough content out there. It's like our traveling adventures. That's one of our through themes with this series. The further you go in your adventures, and the more time you spend in a given location, the more you discover there. Think about a time when perhaps you traveled to a tropical beach. Well, your travels could take you as far as sitting in a chair on the sand with drink in hand. And that's as far as you go. Or you might do that and then go further to dip your toes in the surf or kick your feet around in the water. Or you might get out on the surface of the water to swim or surf or paddle. Or you could literally go deeper, as some of you I know have, and go snorkeling. Of course, you're kind of linked to the surface there, but some of you I know have gone scuba diving. And that takes you deeper. And once you go beneath the surface, you know you've only scratched the surface. Because a whole new world opens up for you. Here are a couple of snapshots of deep water exploration. Just to open up our horizons. To be reminded that we probably haven't learned all there is to learn that God wants us to learn. And the content is out there. So think of the Christmas story. You know, most of us, I think, could, could do a good job of reciting the basics of the Christmas story. It's something that maybe we've studied it occasionally, but for the most part, it's repetition during a time of the year over and over again. We feel like we have it. Um, my teacher in the New Testament when I was in seminary uh, was a New Testament scholar named Marty Swords. And his teacher, a lot of illustrations of teachers in this sermon, by the way, uh, taught me how to translate the, biblical, the, the Christmas story from the original Greek. So that's one depth that I know from personal experience where you can go. And by the way, you can learn Greek even if you're not in seminary training to be a pastor. It's, it's possible. His teacher was Raymond Brown, 
who uh, was one of the 20th century's greatest uh, New Testament scholars, Roman Catholic scholar who taught at the Union Seminary in New York. And he wrote a commentary just on the gospel birth narratives called The Birth of the Messiah. I've actually placed it uh, here next to the scriptures. It's the one volume on this side. It's more than a thousand pages just on Jesus' birth. Not about his miracles or teaching or, or anything like that. Not about his death. Although he did a two-volume longer treatment of the death of the Messiah. That was his magnum opus. But if you want to take a crack at Jesus' birth, there it is right there. I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. Second example. For Presbyterians, the holy grail of understanding the depths of the teaching of Jesus Christ is in the teachings relayed to us by another one of the church's great apostles. And that is the theologian and really forefather of our Presbyterian church, John Calvin, the Swiss Protestant reformer. Next to that uh, Birth of the Messiah book by Raymond Brown, I have the two-volume, very small print, Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin. But I have a story to tell you, and some of you know where I'm going with this. About 10 years ago, a group of regular folk here at North Creek, led by a regular folk at North Creek named Bill Bell, read through the entire Institutes of Christian Religion by John Calvin in a class here at this church. Raise your hand if you were a part of that. Anyone? We have a couple. If you have any questions, talk to those people about what that experience was like and ask them everything they remember. No, don't, don't do that. But I use this by illustration. Just that there was a time when, when there were, was a group of disciples here at this church who just decided they were not going to be intimidated by the depths that God was calling them to explore. They went deep. And going deep can be very rewarding when it comes to D decay. All right, so we know that the disciples in the early church were devoted. They were dedicated to teaching and learning. Well, in Acts 5, we learn that they never stopped learning. It was a constant practice for them. And it was a lifelong adventure. To summarize this story. It's one of the first times when the disciples and the early church experienced persecution. It was because they taught the teaching of the teacher, Jesus. It was controversial. And that may be true at various times and in various settings to this day. But they were commanded to teach, not only by Jesus originally in the Great Commission, but by an angel of the Lord who freed the apostles from prison, who basically said, get out there and teach. And so they taught. And yes, they paid the price, but how that story that we heard, it, how it concludes is that the apostles rejoiced because they were counted worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. Remember that from two weeks ago, right? Proclamation, the name of Jesus. And in verse 42, the conclusion of this episode, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. Remember what I said about Jesus and where Jesus taught and where the disciples learned? Yeah, it was in the formal places of learning, like the temple, 
but it was also in regular life. So here, in the temple courts and from house to house, right where they lived, every day, they never stopped teaching. They never stopped teaching and learning. If we're never going to stop teaching and learning, we're going to need a deep reservoir of motivation, are we not? Okay, so when I'm binge-watching, sometimes I'm watching PBS. I have to admit. Now, I know that won't be rock anyone's world or put me in, in uh, the realm of, of where most people are doing their watching, but occasionally, my wife and I enjoy watching a show that is on PBS. We're supporters, and so we have it on our, our TV app, and and we sometimes binge-watch those shows, many of them that are from England, et cetera, et cetera. So there you go. But there's a commercial that comes on so often for Viking cruises. And I know some of you have been... How, how many of you have been on a Viking cruise? I, I've heard the stories. I know there are some of you who have been on Viking cruise. So anyway, there's a commercial. You might have seen it. It's just a 25-second commercial where, where the, um, the chairman of the company, Torsten Hagen, is speaking and says, growing up in a little house on the edge of a forest in Norway. Have you ever heard this one? Um, Three things that his family encouraged, kindness, honesty, and hard work. And over time, I've come to include a fourth. Be curious. Be curious about the world around you, and then go with an open heart, and you'll find inspiration. And I'm going to take that and apply it to continuous lifelong learning in the church. Curiosity is important for travel and learning about other cultures, but it's also important for learning the ways and teaching of Jesus. Remain curious, interested in the exploration throughout all the stages of life. I want to raise up and commend a group of people in our church who I have seen for 21 years gather on a weekly basis to study and learn it's known around here as the Tuesday morning women's Bible study. And if there is a, a poster group for the idea that, you, that learning about Jesus is supposed to happen your entire life long and not just end when you feel like you've had enough of your fill, but it's part of your life and you just do it and you keep on doing it, it's our Tuesday morning women's Bible. Let's have a big round of applause for everyone who's a part of that, for the leaders. And you know, let's, let's, let's be curious. How come they show up every week? Might we be able to gain some motivation for our lifelong learning from them? As we conclude, I want to bring up uh, a, a way of transitioning from the sermon into our time of communion on this World Communion Sunday. Because Didache, the teaching of the church, the teaching of Jesus, has been a vital part of the worldwide mission movement. The witness to Jesus, to the ends of the earth, includes teaching about Jesus. And in the teaching about Jesus and the teaching of Scripture, language and literacy has been so important. You know, last week when we talked about service, I could have mentioned, but I didn't, that, that the number of hospitals that are dotted across all the lands on this globe that are named for saints 
or for religious traditions is a testimony of what is left there when the church goes out into the world to serve people in need. Same could be said for schools in a lot of parts of the world. Literacy, the ability to read the written word, is a staple of Christian discipleship. And being able to read it in your native language is an extension. So language translation is a, is a major part of the worldwide Christian movement. Expressions of this from the scholarly. One of my mentors uh, in mission theology, Laman Sane, who was from the African nation of Gambia. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, for many years, was the professor of world mission at Yale Divinity School. He wrote his masterpiece called Translating the Message, and he, he spoke about how unique Christianity is in relation to world religion, and especially when it's contrasted with Islam, because the Christian message is designed to be translated into the vernacular, into the language of the people. Whereas in Islam, the sacred text must be read in Arabic. It goes on to mission organizations like Wycliffe Bible Translators who focus on developing the actual written language of a people so that they might receive the word of God in their own language. And it also extends to missionary teaching and our support of them. A few weeks ago, uh, Christine Solomon shared with us about her teaching at a missionary school in Nepal. And just this morning, I read the newsletter sent to us by Kasana Anderson, who is teaching as a missionary in the Dominican Republic, even now. And thanks for visiting her, Steve. That's awesome. I saw the picture of you with her classroom. We can't wait to hear more about it. Friends, our world is filled with disciples devoted to Didache. As we move forward into this congregation's future, let's not forget to pack the essentials of Didache, the teaching of Jesus, and our learning of it. Because 